Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you, though? For just 20 bucks a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my sponsor and my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values. Go to puretalk.com slash jesse to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com slash jesse. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum. Sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go. Put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free, it's nicotine-free, it's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
I want you to imagine something. This is what I want you to imagine. You sign up to go to war. Go to war for your country. Your dad went to war before you. His dad before him. Right now, not in the past. It's 2020. You sign up and go to war. And you go through all the basic training to get yourself ready. And keep in mind, you grow up. You grew up with your father, right? Maybe had some talks with with your grandfather. Maybe your dad fought in Iraq or Afghanistan. Maybe Somalia. Maybe grandpa fought in the Vietnam War. You learn from their experience. You grow up a patriot. And you go off to war. You and your friends. You and your friends get to combat. And you find out. No matter what you've learned, think of all the history of warfare, all the history we've talked about on this show. You know that, too. You read the history books. You listen to the show. You find out when you get there, there's been a weapon invented that will kill you as soon as you stand up. As soon as anyone stands up, they die. How... Would you wrap your mind around that? Forgetting about the what it actually means for you physically. How would you adjust to something existing now that never existed before in the history of mankind? And now you are the one out there fighting and dying because of it. Watching your friends die. They're standing up. They're dying. Watching... The officers, the generals, the people in charge calling the shots seemingly not adjust as fast as you're adjusting. All right, everybody, stand up. We're going to charge. And you're sitting there thinking, wait, no, what? If you stand up, you die. We just did this a thousand times. What are you talking about? But remember, they're still learning this too. This is new information to them. All the war colleges and schools and classes. They were never taught anything about this. Ever. That sounds absurd, right? Stand up, you die. What are you talking about? The difference between virtually all of warfare leading up to World War I and then World War I was that extreme. It was that extreme. And I was asked a lot. I did a show on Tuesday this week. The show was about Chosen Reservoir and how terrible it was during the Korean War and things like that. But I did a show earlier this week. And I said Chosen Reservoir, the freezing, the misery, the, the Chinese hordes pouring out of the mountains in the nights. I said that was the second worst place as far as warfare goes. I could ever imagine if I had to make my list of like, this is the place. These are the places I least want to be chosen reservoirs. Number two. And I said it in the show, but I still got emails of, well, what's number one? Clarify what's number one. Number one is the trenches on the Western front in world war one. And it's not only 
because of the fighting conditions. It's not just that, and we're going to get to a lot of that here in a minute. It's not only because of that. This is why. Fear, joy, happiness, sadness, whatever whatever the human emotion spectrum is, whatever they are, it's mental, right? Life is really about your mentality. If all you've ever known is one meal a day, and then you wake up one morning and find out you get half a meal a day, that's tough. But you'll be fine. If all you've ever known is four meals a day, and you wake up and find out you get half a meal a day, that's a bitter pill to swallow. That could even kill you physically or mentally. It might break you. That's why I find World War I Western Front so bad. It's because the young men who fought it, especially early on, I'm talking about Brits, French, Germans. Remember, Germans were not the bad guys in this war, not really. You can classify them as that all you want. These were not, you know, the Third Reich Nazi Germans. It was easy to hate. They were actually really cool in this war. The young men fighting this war grew up reading about the ancient ones we talk about, too. Don't think we're the only people. Don't think you and I are the only ones fascinated with uh, Alexander the Great, who we did earlier this week, too. Everyone knows about Alexander the Great. The Romans grew up reading about Alexander the Great. But they grew up reading about hopping on a horseback with a sword in your hand and your buddies beside you and charging at the enemy. Having a good go at him. The Brits Brits love using terms like that, which is part of the reason why I love the Brits and love studying you know, British military things and battle things. They they have a way of putting such a a nonchalant spin on horrible things. I love the fact they're horrible, nasty little, you know, IRA civil war thing they had to fight. In Britain, they call it the Troubles. <laughs> That's all it It's the Troubles. You do a good cavalry charge cavalry charge, you I was we had to go at him. We had to go at each other. It was all good. Wait, there are people dead. Yeah, we had to go at each other. It's fine. You grew up. The worst thing on the battlefield was a cannon. An old school cannon. As far as rifles go, you grew up hearing about first muskets. Then, okay, you have weapons like a like an old school lever action Winchester. But, you know, okay, it's a weapon that can fire four or five rounds. You grew up in a world so separated from the world you just threw yourself into. And, man, there's a culture shock coming for you. Hang on.
Your home title could get you kicked out of your house, evicted. That is not a pie-in-the-sky thing. That's not something that's happening in the movies that's happening right now. This is a direct quote from a lady named Deborah. a direct quote. Quote, I couldn't believe we were being evicted from our home that we did not sell. That's happening in the United States of America because home titles are digital now. Your home title is online, and these cyber thieves spend all their time looking for them to get them, forge your signature on them, take out a loan against them, and you have to pay that loan back. If you don't, and you probably won't because you won't even know you took the loan, you're gone. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Register your address. See if you're already a victim. While you're there, sign up. Use the code JESSE. Get yourself 30 free days of protection. It's the shock of warfare being what it always was versus what it turned into in World War I. That's why I say the worst place in the world. It changed everything because technology changed. The difference between fighting in World War II and today, 80 years ago, is, I mean, it's different, but not that different, right? If you took a United States infantry marine from World War II and you brought him into a Marine Corps infantry platoon today and handed him an M16, he'd need about two minutes before he could function that weapon. He could almost undoubtedly fire the weapon fine, and he would most definitely understand today's techniques of fire and maneuver. This is how we use smoke grenades. He used smoke grenades. This is how artillery is used. He saw artillery being used. This is how we use planes. Yeah, ours today are a bit more advanced, but he would understand it all. Naval vessels, they look relatively the same. He's entering ref- roughly the same world. In the entire history of the world before World War I, I, under- I understand firearms changed that and they were slowly advancing, but they pretty much existed in that world. All of a sudden, World War I was when the world completely changed. Oh, and in my World War II Marine versus now scenario, you could do the same thing for a Marine today if you wanted to take him back. Take a highly trained Marine today, infantry Marine, throw him in a grunt platoon in 1944, he would be fine. Okay, just give me a couple extra minutes with the weapons so I can figure out how to charge the thing, clear out a jam. I'll be fine. Oh, wow, your equipment's kind of even more uncomfortable than ours was, which is really unbelievable, but okay, let's do it. We're fine. If you're a young man with the start of World War I, your father grew up telling you about swords. The men who fought in World War I, this is probably the clearest way I can put this for you. They were all born in the 1800s. And they found themselves one day in hell. Because man had... I guess we'll call it advanced. You understand that the fort 
a basic fort was used in the ancient Assyrian time. You remember, we just talked about Assyria. What was it, last week, two weeks ago? And had been used in every major conflict, civil war, everything up to this point. To kick off World War I, the Germans used what was called the Schlieffen Plan. It's very famous. And this was essentially the German plan. You know about the alliances of World War I. Just do a brief background on that. This was an era where alliances were critical. Now, alliances are always critical, but people took their alliances very seriously back then. And the status of all the world powers at this point in time is simply this. Britain, and this is going to come into play for our story today, Britain was the most powerful nation in the world. It will help a lot if you think of Britain in World War I like you think of us today. They were that, very much so. Since we existed back then, you like to think, wow, I'm sure we were the, no, we were not the world power then. Britain was, very much so, financially. France probably had the best army in the world, and France at this time, they had the best military history of maybe any country on the planet. Isn't that weird to think about? Isn't that, remember what I said, look, we're going to talk about this a lot today. Everything changed in World War I. Up to this point in time, if you're surveying as an impartial observer, every country that existed on the planet currently in 1914, you're looking at France and you would laugh at somebody who made a joke about France's military. You'd be all, wait, are you serious? They've been dominating everybody forever. France is awesome. So not only do you have the best military, you have a history of kicking the crap out of people. And you're very proud. This is going to come into play for our story today, too. You're very, very proud of France. France, especially at this time, I can't can't speak to them today. Very nationalistic, patriotic, whatever way you want to put it, country. They like their monuments. They're proud of their grounds. They are. And then you have Germany. And this can be hard to understand, too. But Germany is a pretty new country at this point. There was Prussia, then there's not Prussia, and Prussia's kind of Germany. And I realized there were Germanic people fighting the Romans, and sometimes beating the crap out of the Romans in the old days. But it's, it's Germany as a, as a modern nation state, very new at this point in time. And I don't care how uncomfortable this makes everybody. It's just a fact The German people were really, really cool back then. Something to be admired, big time. They were uber patriotic, a very religious nation. We don't think about them like that today. Everyone likes to imagine they're just a bunch of demon-worshipping Nazis. But very religious people. Still, every German stereotype outside of Nazism was uber, uber German back then. Detail-oriented freaks. Math. Engineering. Very stern. Even their language is very stern. Their freaking helmets they used were called the Stahlhelm. Even that sounds scary and cool, right? And because they are so diligent, very family-oriented, Germany is on the rise, and they are on the rise quickly. Their population is exploding, as populations do when your economy is booming and you're a religious-based country who believes in family, 
People are getting married. They're getting married early. They're cranking out 9,000 kids, and they're going to work and earning a living. And Germany is starting to flex its muscles a little bit and looking around thinking to itself, what's France got that we don't? Not much that I can see. I think we can take those French. But Germany, obviously there are flaws that come with good things. And one of those flaws, and this is going to play a part in this war, this is why some people do blame this whole thing on Germany. Germany wants something that Britain and France have, but Germany doesn't because Germany's so new. Britain and France, early 1900s, sounds weird now, but Britain and France have colonies. Lots of them. All over the world. Germany doesn't. Germany would like to add some lands. Why do you have people that that you've colonized and we don't? We're better than you are. And Germany was feeling a bit threatened because of the European tensions. You see, you have France right to your right to your west if you're Germany. You have Britain right to your north. There's this. A little beyond brotherly anger thing between all of them. A little resentment. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. And Germany really, really needs, they need the shipping coming through that English channel in order to feed that booming population. All them babies got to eat. With the snap of their fingers, Britain at this time can starve Germany to death. Germany doesn't like that. Germany needs friends because Britain and France at this point, I know they've got a rough history, but Britain and France at this point are friends as much as anybody can be friends with the French. And we'll get to that in a little while. Germany goes hunting for friends. Germany finds the nation of Austria, Hungary, and Germany finds Turkey, the Ottoman Empire, whatever you want to call. We're going to call them Turkey for the purposes of today. Here's the problem. We already said Britain's the most powerful nation in the world. France probably has the best army in the world. Germany's out of dance partners. So the two they have are the old toothless women at the bar at 2 a.m. The Austria-Hungary nation is weak and soft. All kinds of unrest. Their military sucks. They suck. The Ottoman Empire... This ain't the year 1300 anymore, Jack. They suck now. Old, breaking down, nations don't last forever. We won't either. And then we have Russia. And Russia, what's funny about Russia is, Russia was, at this time, even though they were ruled by a czar, Russia was then the same way Russia was in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and today. Russia was a gigantic, scary country. Kind of couldn't ever get its economic situation figured out. Moved slow, inefficient, extremely divided peoples. Not a unified nation by any stretch of the imagination. Governments a little tyrannical to very tyrannical. Not a great value placed on human life. Does any of this sound familiar? Yeah, it's Russia. Sounds like Russia. And that's very much who they were at this time. Circling way back to where I began here. I got a little sidetrack there to the Schlieffen plan. Schlieffen was a German general. He, I don't know whether he knew 
or assumed that war would come one day, or whether he was just planning for the worst. But Schlieffen came up with an idea to take over all of it. Hang on. How exposed is your information online? How much of your info is out there? Don't get me wrong. I don't think you're naive. I don't think you'd have a public profile with your home address, your online dating profile, info, info, gun records, all your previous addresses, things like that. I don't think you knowingly put that information out there for all to see. But something like that may be happening with your online info. What I mean is there could be public records posted online about you. You wouldn't paint your info on the garage door, right? But you could be leaving a footprint everywhere you go online. A lot of things you do, maybe records you didn't even set up yourself, those might be out there for everybody to see. It's more important than ever you find out what could be posted online about you. Go ahead and look up your name or anyone else's right now. Go to getthetruthnow.com. That's getthetruthnow.com. Enter your own name. See instant results. The Schlieffen Plan. The Schlieffen Plan. It was a good plan in my opinion much debated to this day. If you get around some military history nerd, they will rip it limb from limb. Some love it, some hate it. The plan was this. If we have to fight continental Europe, we will have to do it quickly because France and Russia and Britain were all bud buds. We will have to knock out France first because you cannot fight a two-front war, definitely not you know, over a long period of time. So the plan involved throwing everything they had at France, only bypassing France's borders and going after France on the border they didn't really secure. You see Germany borders France except for this little area up north where this poor country called Belgium is. And the Germans, although it sounds a little cold, but war is cold. See, I told you I always end up defending the Germans in World War I. War is cold. War is violence. Their plan was, let's just go through Belgium. Yes, I realize Belgium's a neutral country, and that's going to make some people mad. But look, Belgium's going to be okay with it. At least they're not going to fight us. I mean, these people aren't psychos. Just step aside and let us drive the tanks on through, Jack. We're going to war. Oh, sorry. I stepped on your shrubs. Our bad. We're just going to move on through. That's not how it worked. World War I kicks off, as you know, because the Austria-Hungarian leader, Franz Ferdinand, is assassinated by a terrorist? Freedom fighter gets uncomfortable now, doesn't it? His name is Gavriel Princip. I don't know how you want to look at him. 
He was a young, idealistic young man, not a big fan of the Austria-Hungarian Empire. I put it mildly. They're having secret meetings in taverns over cigarettes and beer, getting letters, possibly from the Serbian intelligence agency, about where Archduke Franz Ferdinand's going to be. I've already gone over the assassination before. I will again one day, just know... He lucks out big time and ends up killing the Archduke Franz Ferdinand after he blows it the first time and the Archduke's wife. Austria-Hungary decides, okay, well, it's on now. Here's a list of 10,000 things you have to do for us or we're going to war. The Serbs can't possibly do the things Austria-Hungary demands. And so Serbia, knowing they can't beat the Austria-Hungarians either, turn to their big brother Russia and say, are you going to let them talk to us like this? And Russia says, no, I don't think I will. Austria-Hungary, you stay out of there. To which Austria-Hungary says, hey, are you going to let the Russians talk to us like this? Looking at their buddies, the Germans, and Germany says, no, I don't think I will. And then in comes France. Britain was actually the big wild card. Everyone thinks Britain just jumped in. It was a big toss-up and debated in the British government whether to fight with the Germans or even be neutral. It was a big deal. The Germans, a lot of people in the German high command were actually stunned that the Brits joined with France. They thought they were going to join with them. A little miscalculation there. But boom, war's on. Germany Charges through Belgium. The Belgians do not. By the way, I should just say as a quick side note, it's very weird to me, and I'll never get used to it, how the country's called Belgium with an M, but the people are called Belgians with an N. Why aren't they called Belgiums? Oh, let's not major on the minor here. Quit getting me distracted, Chris. Germany charges through. They charge into France. They end up getting stopped. Everybody digs in now because people are a little stunned at the initial breakout of World War I at how easy it is to kill other human beings. This thing called the machine gun that had been used, I mean, sporadically. It's not like they had no idea it existed. It turns out. This thing really works when generals, platoon commanders, everybody down the line only has ever known stand in a line and run or walk at the enemy. I could teach a child how to operate a machine gun and mow down an entire company of United States Marines if the Marines just stood up in a straight line and ran right at him. Like playing a video game, aim and squeeze the trigger, and it is that easy. It is. When you're churning lead down range like that, it's that easy. Well, these countries very early on, all of them, are a little bit taken aback. Um, we lo- I'm sorry we lost how many? And that's going to play a part in our story, too, and let's focus on this for just a second. You've heard me do a million different stories on the American Revolution. Something that took place in the Old West or, or any other battle across, across the world in the old days. Now, they could get very big in Napoleon's times. 
Alexander's times, the Romans, you know, Hannibal wiped out a couple 30, 40,000 man Roman armies. But for the most part, what do I tell you when it comes to these engagements? It's 3,000, 4,000 dudes, 5,000 dudes dead. Okay. Countries are finding out we lost 20, 30,000 men yesterday. This is not something people are prepared to deal with at all. So the entire thing shocks everybody, and it essentially locks down. And then it locks them down for a couple years, and I'm skipping over eight trillion things that I will cover at another time on various shows because I'm trying to get somewhere today, and I somehow I'm still a million miles away from it. They are locked down, and they're locked down in France. Remember, World War I was obviously fought on other fronts as well. There was an Eastern Front where the Germans beat the crap out of the Russians. There was fighting down in Turkey. Were they actually Turkey for being old and feeble? Acquitted themselves very well. But for the most part, the Western Front, it was in France, not in Germany. And Germany comes up with this plan to fight a battle called Verdun. And today's not about Verdun either, but know this, it's important. Verdun is in France. Verdun is very important to the French people culturally. It is kind of a fortress. The Germans sweep in there, surprise the French, and slaughter them, lots of them. And then the French turn around and do very well for themselves and slaughter the Germans. And it's this humongous disaster of an area that we will go over another time. It's it's known as like the artillery battle in history where people were just turned into soup on the the battlefield. It was a disaster. And both sides, France and Germany, lost way more men than they could handle. Here's the problem with Verdun and why Verdun matters to our story, which is the Somme, the Battle of the Somme, which took place in 1916. This Battle of the Somme was supposed to be bigger, and it was supposed to be a major joint British-slash-French affair. But at this time, when Verdun is done, France is almost done. France is hanging by a thread now. They just don't have the men. One-fifth of the nation of France fought in this war. Do you understand how many people that is? That's that's everybody. That's all your young men. They're fighting, they're dying, and they're losing them. Now France has to go to Britain and have a very difficult conversation. A very difficult conversation. One that's a bitter pill for the Brits to swallow. Hang on. I love my Raycon earbuds. My Raycon earbuds, well, they're comfortable. I know that sounds that sounds simplistic, but I have had a lot of earbuds. And so much of the time they give me about 45 minutes to an hour in my ears hurt. You know, they're they're not made to have something in there unless they're made well. My Raycon earbuds, 
not only did they cost me like half of the other premium wireless earbuds, not only did they Bluetooth pair easily, the sound is incredible, but they're comfortable. You will see me with my Raycon earbuds in, undoubtedly, if you ever meet me, because I have them in all the time. I even have them in when I'm in my car. Go check these things out. You will not regret it. And buy one for your spouse as well. They'll thank you. Go to buyraycon.com slash jesse. That's buyraycon.com slash jesse. That gets you an extra 15% off. Remember I said this battle took place in France? The war took place in France? Well, Britain and France had a major offensive plan for 2016. That was right up until Verdun. And France had to go make a very, very, very un- uncomfortable phone call. And they had to sit down with the Brits and say, yeah, we can't join you on your offensive. To which, obviously, the Brits had to say, well, what? Why not? I thought we were in this together. You need to join. And there's a lot of threatening going on. Threatening here, pushing here, carrots and sticks. And France has the ultimate trump card because it's totally true. France tells Britain at this time, not only are we not going to be joining your offensive in a major way. France sent people there. They, they fought it. Not only are we not going to be joining your offensive in a major way. If you don't still do an offensive, we might get out of the war. You have to take these Germans off our back and off our back now. We are breaking. We don't have the manpower. We don't have the food. And they were already having a socialist revolution, civil unrest within the borders of France at this time. People were starting to get angry and horrified at the loss of life. The British commander, Haig, decides he's going on anyway, and I don't want to defend Douglas Haig. I do not. I'm not going to defend Douglas Haig. There are people to this day who hate this man. The Brits at the time hated this man, especially after the Battle of the Somme, and for many, many years after. Hated him. There were people who wanted him brought up on war crimes trials for being a bad general. Is that how we can put this? Germany's in a bad spot at this time, too. We should mention it wasn't just France. Germany actually had a violence problem within its borders at this time. All the young men were off fighting. All the dads were off fighting. You had a bunch of very angry fatherless teenagers in the country at this time. And I don't think I have to elaborate for anybody in the United States of America what happens when a bunch of young men don't have dads. You're seeing it play out in cities across the United States of America. Dads matter a lot. Germany has people rioting over the lack of food because they're sending all the food to the front because the Brits are blockading the German ports just like the Germans were worried about. It's a problem. They're all, they all have problems. Britain, on the other hand, is not doing that bad right now. The war's been on French soil, not British soil. They certainly have taken some heavy losses, 
But as of this point, the British people, one, they're eating well. Pays to have the best Navy in the world. Although, ain't a Brits going hungry these days. They're eating well. They're winning. They're not facing mass casualties. And there aren't Germans on their soil, which always was a, a, t- a spot of tension for the French. Yeah, they're here. We are a little bit more desperate. They're not on, they're not in London. They're next to Paris. Where are you? It was always a spot of tension. There was always a question of are the Brits motivated enough to come help? And the Brits were always feeling like um these French are really demanding. We're trying. An understandable tension on both sides. But the Brits were okay, and the British people at this time, up to the Battle of the Somme, were okay with World War I. They wanted their country involved in World War I in the same way, remember I told you to think about Britain like us today, in the same way you would want us involved in some major world engagement. You'd want us involved, most likely, and you would want us to lead it, most likely. It would be a no-brainer. Well, yeah, we're going to be involved. With the, we're the superpower. Of course we're involved. Yeah, and obviously our generals are going to be calling the shots. The Brits felt that way and very proud of their country at the time, understandably so. So they planned this offensive. And the offensive is in an area with grassy hills. No trees, grassy hills. And Haig... The commander of the British Expeditionary Force has a plan, and this is his plan, and on my life, I have no earthly idea how anybody could be this dumb, and yet I somehow sympathize. Maybe everyone was still this dumb, but this isn't the beginning of 1914. They've been fighting for two years now. This is 1916. You know about machine guns? Don't tell me you don't. You do. You know about trench warfare. You dang sure know about artillery. You know what it can do. You know what it can't do. But Haig lacked imagination, to put it kindly. This was Haig's plan. Okay, the Germans are dug in on these grassy rolling hills. Our plan is this. We're going to fire artillery at them. Yeah, that look you're giving the radio right now, that's the same look everyone else said. Wait. Wait, what? What do you That's the plan? We've been firing artillery at the Germans. What are you talking about? They're dug in. And we need to do a brief side note side note on this. Remember the Germans we were talking about details, engineering, very stern, hardworking. Yeah, their trenches reflect that reflected that. By now, Germany, they have trenches with wallpaper in some of them. Concrete. They're making themselves mini hotels. Not an actual hotel, but practically mini hotels in the trenches. Germany's trenches are improving rapidly. German engineering is what it is. It has that reputation for a reason. And Haig's plan shoot artillery at them and hey get some pushback on this and egg says no 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 wait there's more hang on
A good night's sleep is something you need every single night, and if you're not getting it, you're not being the best person you can be. You're just not. And I have done all the things you're doing. I've done the the mouthpiece thing. I've done sleeping pills. I've done it all. Nothing has worked like Ebb Sleep, not even close. Ebb Sleep is not pills. It's a wearable device. It applies precise, continuous cooling to your forehead area, putting you asleep faster and keeping you asleep. They're so confident in what they do, and they should be. They're so confident in what they do, they'll let you try it risk-free for 60 days. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Don't forget to enter the code jesse at checkout. That actually gets you 25 bucks off. Stop thinking about sleeping. Start sleeping every single night. No, I've got more to my plan, says Douglas Haig. It's not just shooting artillery at them. It's shooting a lot of artillery at them. And I'm, I'm being awfully hard on him. But I don't know how I'm supposed to interpret this any other way. That was the plan. It wasn't just shoot artillery at the entrenched Germans. His plan was to shoot so much artillery at them, it would blow them out of their trenches or, in the very least, destroy the barbed wire the Germans used to surround their trenches. And, and, the, and the, uh, the, you know, the Allied powers. They weren't called Allied powers, but I'm using that for our purposes. The Allied powers used barbed wire, too. Barbed wire was critical. You would line the front of your trenches with it so people couldn't go charging right through it. Barbed wire made life a living hell for a lot of people. Haig thinks he's going to shoot so much artillery, he'll either kill all the Germans where they sit, or in the very least, blow massive gaps in the barbed wire that will allow the Brits to go charging through it. Hang on. is the Jesse Kelly Show. Peg wants to shoot over a million artillery shells at the Germans. And I, I'm, I don't know how to put it to you. That's the plan. Now he does, to his credit, I don't want to undersell him, does want to add what's called a creeping barrage to it. I don't expect you to know what that is. Here's what it is. I'm walking forward as an infantry soldier. The artillery is walking with me, landing in front of me towards them, clearing things out, clouding things for them. You're landing smoke rounds there. You're landing all kinds of things there, making it difficult for them. You're essentially forming a wall of steel in front of me. Now, you got to be real careful when we use the word in front. In front better be a decent distance away, but not too far away. Remember that. Not too far away. Now, the Brits do have a couple other little wrinkles they're adding to this. You see those German trenches 
They've been there for a long time in this area, and the Brits have been planning a couple special little surprises for a long time in this area. One of them is one of my favorite stories that nobody knows ever. The Brits were digging tunnels underneath the ground by hand for two years to get underneath the Germans on some of these hilltops and stacking explosives in the mines underneath the Germans in some of these spots, unbeknownst to the Germans. The Germans didn't know there were a bunch of tunnel rats digging their way underneath them. To kick off the battle, the Brits set off some of these mines they had. One was so big, it was the loudest man-made sound, they say, in the history of mankind outside of the atomic bomb. London was 200 miles from where the Battle of the Somme took place. They heard this explosion in London. Picture something 200 miles away that you can hear. They blew a bunch of Germans and turned, they blew them up and turned them into vapor instantly. Vaporized a bunch of Germans to help kick off the start of this whole thing. And then they began an artillery barrage. Several days of artillery. And again, if I have to say something kind about Haig, the Germans who were there did say, no, it didn't do us any harm at all. We were in these amazing trenches. The, the artillery didn't hurt us at all physically. But it screwed them up mentally badly because when I say they fired artillery shells, I mean they fired 1.7 million artillery shells. If you've ever, and I have had the displeasure, but if you've ever heard one artillery shell go off in your presence, anywhere near your presence, it is not something you will forget. You can't breathe. It's so loud and the concussion is so bad. 1.7 million. It was something absurd, like 140 shells per acre on the battlefield. And maybe that's why Haig was so confident that this much artillery would blow them out of there. What it did do, it almost put the Germans in, I, some guys called it listless, another guy called it dreamlike. It put the Germans in almost like a drunk, almost like they'd had too much to drink state. That much artillery can mess your mind up, your nervous system up. It messed up the Germans bad, and the Germans could sleep. Obviously, it's a bit difficult to sleep, even if you're used to combat. It's just tough. It's very, very tough. And they blow them up and they blow them up and they blow them up and the Germans are still fine. And then soon you're almost out of artillery shells and you have a plan for the battle. So it's time to cook off the creeping barrage and send in all those brave, wonderful British soldiers in to do your fighting and mop up whatever poor German souls happen to still be left in the trenches. Because surely they're hurting, right? Surely the barbed wire, in the very least, is gone. Never mind they were using shrapnel rounds for lots of this time. You know what shrapnel rounds are? Shrapnel rounds are anti-personnel mine, or, or anti-personnel rounds. I don't want to nerd out for you too much. They're rounds that explode above the ground. They do not hit and blow up. There are penetrating rounds you would use for bunkers and such, where they don't blow up for 
you know, a while after it lands because you want it to bury itself and then explode. And then there are shrapnel rounds for people. They blow up above the ground, spread that shrapnel everywhere, destroy a bunch of people. One, that doesn't work if the people are in trenches. And two, that's not going to destroy barbed wire. I don't care how many of them you shoot. The barbed wire is still just sitting there. Even if you happen to hit some of it with some shrapnel, it's just going to nick off. They fire their creeping barrage. The men start marching. The men get the whistles to go over the top. One, the creeping barrage gets too far out in front of the men. I have no idea how you could screw up something like that after this much time practicing with your artillery, but they did. Two, the men had to travel up grassy slopes to entrenched Germans who had machine guns trained on this specific area for a long time. And when I say travel up the grassy slopes, I don't mean had to get up and run 75 feet. In some cases, they had to walk and or jog 800 yards across an open field and Germans who were just sitting there watching them. Some of the Germans talked about it didn't they thought they were messing with them what are these what are these idiots doing they're just coming at us and coming at them in lines shoulder to shoulder and the germans simply destroyed them they wiped them out the brits would run up to these barbed wire things that had not been destroyed and obviously some Brits knew they were going to encounter some barbed wire at some point, so they would have barbed wire cutters, but not everybody had barbed wire cutters. And even if everyone did, the natural human instinct when you're under machine gun fire is, let me first, let me finish filling my pants. Second, let me out. I need out. Whether that's forward or back, get me out of here. So they would bunch up at the areas where they were trying to cut through and sometimes actually cutting through the barbed wire only. Can you imagine sitting in a machine gun nest from an elevated position staring at a tiny door, a tiny gap in the barbed wire where 20, 30, 40, 50 men have chosen to gather up in front of you? You can kill several men with one shot. The British still talk about this day. This day, this battle of the Somme, the battle overall, may be as consequential to the history and future of the world as any battle in the history of mankind. You know Hitler fought here? You know Tolkien, the guy who wrote all those Lord of the Rings books and whatnot? You know he fought here? There, were, there are others. There are several different authors and people who came out of this Horrific nightmare, but after this day, day one, the British weren't all that excited about World War I anymore because they had 57,000 casualties on the first day. On the first day. And to make it worse, I don't know, better, worse, I don't know how you want to put this. They had something, we've talked about it briefly before in Britain at this time. You see, in Britain, it's 
It's hard to get people to sign up for a war. Countries have always struggled with this. And so Britain had to take some some extra steps. Hang on. Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. Simply safe is simple. It really is. They make having outstanding home security simple. And it is outstanding. You know, Simply Safe Home Security is monitored by a professional 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, they have emergency dispatch services. That's police, fire, medical. They have it right there, Simply Safe. They have cameras, they have sensors. You can get Simply Safe starting for $15 a month. And it's so easy because you just have to go online. Go to simplysafe.com slash Jesse and just pick out what you want. They will mail it to you. You open it up, you place the sensors, you plug it in, and that's it. You're done. You're covered. It's awesome. Go to simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That's simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That gets you free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. The Brits had to do a couple things to increase their recruiting efforts. One of the things they did, and I genuinely don't know how I feel about it, they were called, in general, they were called PALS divisions. And this is what it was. They would take the young men in a small town or a small village, and they would keep them together. Because the young men, young patriotic Brits are signing up and they're, they're, I mean, it works out well, right? You're going through recruit training together. You've known these men your whole life. You're leaning on each other, encouraging each other, discouraging each other, giving each other crap. You know how men do. That works really, really well. It works really, really well for unit cohesion. It works well for knowing how this guy's going to react or that guy's going to react. There are, I mean, it's just a laundry list of things that work out really, really well when you do this. Until you get to World War I and you have some units at the Battle of the Somme that suffer 91% casualties. In Britain, because there were too many people dying, they didn't send somebody to knock on your door every single time someone died. They sent you a telegram. You got a telegram. That's what you got. I know that's cold, but that's life. There are stories about these little villages, these little towns, where 50, 100, pick your number of young mothers and young wives got telegrams the same day and the town itself got informed oh all your men all your young men are dead now 
They say the POWs divisions and the fact that some POWs divisions were wiped out, they say it affects people. It affects the psyche of a nation. Even though everyone who was alive then is dead now, they say it affects the psyche of Britain to this day, the POWs divisions. Picture that in your area. Everyone gets a text message, which is what it would be. That's the telegram version. That's the modern-day version of that. Every mother in your area gets a text message the same day. Your 19-year-old son is dead, and he's never coming home. That's a kind of collective devastation. You can't, I mean, you can't, you and I will never know, Lord willing, what that feels like. But you can't even be there to support each other because everyone's going through it. I think about this a lot when I think about World War I. By the way, the Brits eventually won the Battle of the Somme. It wasn't a one-day thing. It went on for, I believe it was 150 days. This is where, you know what a tank is? You obviously know what a tank is. Congratulations. It got its debut at the Battle of the Somme. Now, granted, like half of them broke down because they didn't know what to do with it. But it turned out to be very, very successful back then. It's mobile cover. You throw a couple guns on it. It can drive over that barbed wire. They rolled it out, and they rolled it out so successfully. You got people like Churchill telling everybody, ah, can I get a double order on the next one? So there you go. But there are times as a world, as a nation, there are times where Everything just changes, and it can hurt so bad. And I think I think we're in the middle of one of those times now where we're seeing an economy completely change, completely remake itself. The future of restaurants is going to look different than everything you've ever known in this country as far as restaurants go. It is. It is. Even if we eventually shake these idiotic restrictions, we're going to have lost so many restaurants, it'll just take, oh gosh, it's going to take a generation to get them back, if not more. The future of the business world is going to change. Businesses are always 100% 100% of the time, business are, businesses are looking for a way to reduce overhead. Businesses are finding out now, and I think it's a huge mistake. Businesses are finding out now we can reduce our office overhead costs by having everybody work at home. Okay, setting aside what that means for commerce for a moment, What does that mean for commercial real estate, for landlords? What does that mean? Think about this. Think about this. Maybe this is pie in the sky. Maybe this is wrong, but think about this. What do you think that means for those skyscrapers you're used to seeing? What do you think goes in those skyscrapers? Businesses go in those skyscrapers. Obviously, there are some that are apartments and some that are split, but businesses go in those skyscrapers. 
How many brand new skyscrapers are going to be built in the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years in America if nobody's there to rent out the office space? Didn't see that one, did you? I was just thinking about it last night. Believe me, I didn't see it either. We're in the middle of a change. And we are, as I've talked about before to you, we're in a change in America from something we've always known. And it's going to be painful. We have to figure out a way to navigate through it. But this is the truth. The truth is we have entered in a post-constitutional age in this country. It's unlike anything we've ever had. Yes, we've had divisions in America. We fought a civil war. But as far as a united country goes, we have half the United States of America, or at least one of the two political parties, that hates this place. That's an adjustment. Democrats and Republicans have never gotten along, nor would I expect two political parties to get along. When one of them hates the place, that's going to mean a different future than you know. Than you've known, I should say. Societies have changes, upheavals, where everything changes. And the problem isn't always the change. The problem is the failure to adjust to the change. As I've told you, there are people who are born, I believe this all the way, to be rule followers. There are people who are born rule breakers. My wife, rule follower, all the way. Well, you can't set that out there. Why not? Well, the HOA said in paragraph C that you're not allowed. Like, it would never even occur to me even read that, let alone follow it. Well, no, but I want to set it out there. So that's what I'm going to do. Her brain doesn't work that way. Stresses her out. That's fine. She's not wrong at all. It's how she's made. It's how she's created. I don't even think I'm wrong. It's just different. But in the future, this era we are going into, you are going to have to become comfortable breaking some rules. And this is going to be real tough for you to swallow, especially because your kids are probably listening and I'm talking to you about them. You're going to have to teach your kids that it's okay to break the rules too. You are. Oh, I can't, no, I can't come over and, I can't come over and play with Johnny because he doesn't have his mask and face shield back yet. Oh, shut up. Go play with Johnny. Screw everybody else. This is a society now where you're going to have to make some adjustments. All right, it's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, 877-377-4383. Hang on. Newton Group Transfer, they are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. 
She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Who is there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs comprise their In the Line of Duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. Over 80 walks, runs, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chuck, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chuck for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone. Testosterone fueled again. Maximize your masculinity today at choq.com. Use the code Jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life. Choq.com code Jesse. Limited time offer. Subscription cancelable at any time. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount.